Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993 WBT. I appreciate you hanging out with me. I know you got a lot of options available to you, and you've chosen this program. So thank you. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, the email as always, Pete at the PeteCallanerShow.com. I will get to some of the messages that I have neglected in the first hour. Um, we've got updates that have come down on fundraising numbers. Uh, again, this does not predict the outcome of elections, but sometimes it's they do align pretty closely. Right, because if you got, you know, more money to spend on campaign ads and billboards and flyers and mailers and get out the vote efforts and all of that, then uh, you're, you know, usually going to be more likely to get those votes. So that's why it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good measurement. So uh, last hour we were talking about the 8th Congressional District there uh, and the debate that we held last night. John Bradford uh, he has put $1.25 million into his own campaign, uh, $250,000 in a personal loan, and a million-dollar line of credit. Pastor Mark Harris has given uh, his campaign a $50,000 loan. Um, this is according to Brian Anderson. He was formerly of the Associated Press. He then went over to WRAL, had a bit of a falling out over there. They locked him in a non-compete, and so he... Couldn't compete, and now he's doing his own thing on Substack. Um, let's see here. Some of the other fundraising numbers. Uh, uh, he reports uh, the 10th Congressional District contenders. They are running largely self-financed operations. Gray Mills has raised $265,000. Um, Pat Harrigan has raised um, 103000 um, in the sixth district, this is all right. So Mark Walker, three hundred seventy-six thousand. Addison McDowell, one hundred two. Then Jay Wagner and Marianne Cantogianis, uh, they're they're at like eighteen thousand, five thousand. And then Christian Castelli is down one hundred eighty-four thousand. He's in debt. And Bo Hines is $1.36 million in debt. Which, that's not a good sign. <laughs> that's not a good sign. I think he's self-funding, though. So, um, yeah, here, uh, okay, so of note, uh, Brian Anderson reports, Hines entered 2024 with $1.46 million in debt and $98,000 in available cash. Uh, as of January 1, his campaign owed 419000 to vendors and a million in outstanding loans. So so there's that. Um, and then at the gubernatorial level, this from WRA, or the AP, I should say, Republican Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson remained the top fundraiser in the GOP primary. His uh, campaign said it raised close to $3.4 million for the second half of 2023. 
Uh, Bill Graham, Salisbury trial uh, trial lawyer, um, he has loaned his campaign $2.8 million of the 2.9 that it has collected through the end of the year. Over on the Democrat side, Attorney General Josh Stein's gubernatorial campaign had um, a huge advantage over his four other rivals in the Democrat primary, including former state Supreme Court Associate Justice Mike Morgan. Stein has raised $5.7 million in the last six months and has almost $11.5 million in cash entering the month of January. Mike Morgan, on the other hand, raised just under uh, $120K and uh, has spent uh, almost all of it. Mark Robinson, $9.9 million that his campaign has reported raising since early 2021, has about half of that on hand in cash, so a little over $4 million cash on hand. Dale Falwell, the state treasurer, Republican, running against Robinson, he raised $112,000 in the second half of last year. He's sitting on almost $1.3 million in cash entering the month, but that is mainly from a $1 million loan that he made his campaign uh, over the summer. Um, so that's where the yeah that's where the the money stands right now. Um, Josh Stein's got a huge war chest, and uh, we'll see if Mark Robinson is able to you know clear the primary and preserve a lot of that cash in order to uh, take on Stein. But uh, and th- none of that obviously counts any of the outside money, special interest money, super PAC money that's going to be flowing uh, into these races. Uh, I've, I saw, you know, one number where Stein's already looking at like he's, you know, 50 something million dollars in commitments from these outside organizations uh, that are super duper interested in uh, keeping the governor's mansion under Democrat control. All right. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's go back to the phones. Here's Judy. Welcome to the program. Hello, Judy. Good afternoon. Uh, the debate last night was wonderful. I still don't know who I'm voting for, but I probably <laughs> have ruled out at least a couple. But the one one thing that just really uh, stands out to me is I thought that Mark Harris's opening statement was a disaster. Really? They knew, all of them knew they'd be making a statement. This wasn't something that you got thrown at you and you had to come up with an answer in two seconds. Right. He's had weeks to work on it. Um, I didn't go back and review all the scenario around the fiasco that that he refers to, but I do know if you're a leader, uh, you do the old buck stops here, you can always admit perhaps I was not as wise as I could have been in hiring. There's some ways you can take responsibility without totally uh, you know, saying I'm a, I'm a chump. But to blame it totally on somebody else, uh, and uh, Democrats, of course, which is fine. Most of the time they, they are due all the blame they get. But I just thought that his opening statement did not do him any credit and certainly didn't win me as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, already commented to my sister, I'm sort of over Mark Harris, even before it started. <laughs> so um, that sort of solidified that. Right. And uh, all in all, I thought they all did fantastic. They were uh, kind to each other. I thought uh, Chris Maples did a great job of sort of digging out of that little hole. Yeah. I thought thought he did a good job. The thing that is questionable about that is this. Yeah. 
If I had been in that scenario, I'm Chris Maples sitting in the driver's seat. My wife and another woman are in there. They get out. I thought it was very credible that he thought she was probably getting sick. That certainly made sense with the scenario. Right. But given what did happen, I find it uh, kind of uh, not real that his wife and this woman got back in the car, and his wife didn't say, you're not going to believe what she just did. I don't. I find it a little suspect that he didn't know anything about what had happened until he saw the video. Yeah. But I, in general, I liked him. I thought his responses were very good. Yeah. I'd have thought that was a little bit, um, not a hundred percent. Well, I thought he did a good job of at the very end where he brought it back around and he said, you know, that he would. He talked about like his role as a congressman would be to provide constituent services, and this is what he did for Congressman Hudson and for Dan Bishop. So. Um, like he knows the job and that gets, that goes a long way. Like people wonder yeah. how did Jesse Helms keep winning reelection? Yeah. Because anybody ever called his office, he didn't care what political party you were. He got your problem solved and then people voted for him. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I thought he did. A, a, they all did a good job. And, yeah. and you're right. He did. a. Uh, I didn't really know anything about him. I had looked up some of them and just read, you know, what they had responded to right. the questionnaires or the information they had given. And I had already put a check mark by Don Brown. I liked what I read about him. Uh, he sort of jumped out of the pack to me just reading their information. And I thought he did himself a big old plus last night. I thought he was great. Just his demeanor and his uh, passion and his knowledge, all that was great. I, I think we're very blessed to have six people uh, of the caliber that they appear to be to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and to your initial point about Mark Harrison, his opening statement, John Bradford then, you know, immediately went after him uh, on that uh, on that question. And, you know, Harris then, you know, it, it, he rebutted and he was explaining what was going on and what happened and all that. And there's a there's an axiom in politics that if you're explaining, you're losing. And yeah. that's yeah. and that's that may be unfair to him. But that's, I mean, that is the reality of it. People are not going to be able to follow all the ins and outs of that uh, that court case and all of the machinations that occurred. It's it's a very yes. difficult thing to get over for uh, for him as a candidate. So, yes, sir. Yeah. So I, thank you all. I thought it was very enlightening and appreciate it so much and appreciate you and your show. Well, thank you, Judy. I appreciate your call. Thanks so much. Have a blessed afternoon. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, so I th- and, uh, uh, Chris Maples, uh, for folks who aren't aware, like he... The story is that all this news kind of broke the morning of the debate, which is like, gosh, that's terrible timing for him as a candidate, right? Just um, and so, of course, it, it, it is brought out and it is you know talked about at the debate where he had you know his wife uh, who was uh, dealing with some health challenges. It was finally a good day for her, so she's like, want to go out and celebrate her. I think it was her birthday or something or some treatment that she had had that went well. And anyway, so that she goes out. Uh, she and so then she has too much to drink, so he goes and picks her up along with a friend of hers who is, I think, a county commissioner and like, I don't remember what county. Um, they then go to a different bar uh, or they're driving past it and the friend is like, stop here. So they so the, the ladies jump out. He stays in the car and he thought she was going to be sick. But turns out she went over and, and, and peed on a motorcycle, which like, I don't know. Like, did she recognize the motorcycle? Was it her ex-husband's motorcycle or something? I don't know. Did she really hate that brand of motorcycle? I don't know. But that's what she did. Apparently, the video was released. And so he says, you know, he didn't know about it. And then he brought it all back around at the very end, I thought, in a very good way, which was when talking about constituent services, like if I'm elected, I'm going there to help the people of the district. I'm going to be there. Like if you need a ride, 
from the bar at night. I'm going to come pick you up, you know, whether it's, you know, to, to help that person out or it's to, you know, keep a veteran from, uh, you know, from killing themselves on a, you know, uh, from suicide or something. Cause that's what he would do as well. So like he, I thought he brought it back around and connected it pretty well, as well as you can given the circumstances. But like I said, I thought they all did a good job last night. Got some massages uh, here in the inbox. Okay, this from Chris, uh, who says, uh, Dear Skinniest Pete, I hope your morning... Well, Skinny Pete was a character from Breaking Bad, so I'm not Skinny Pete, so I guess I'm Skinniest Pete. Although I think, well, he was kind of tall. He probably weighs more than me. Because he's kind of tall. Taller people weigh more. Usually. Anyway, Chris says, I hope your morning has gone well. I am hoping to influence you to vote Trump simply so I can know I don't have to wait for 3 p.m. to hear a voice that will vote with me and the majority of conservatives on my local, quote-unquote, conservative radio station. Is there another option for us MAGA Republican extremists other than satellites? LOL. Your program has become my favorite to listen to for whatever that's worth. Thank you, kind sir. <laughs> so I am the favorite. I am Chris's favorite program to listen to, but he really needs he really needs to know that I'm going to vote for Trump. I so this is I'm curious about this sentiment. I really am. Like I've watched TV shows and listened to talk show hosts. All the, I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of content creators and. I've never thought ever that like they have to vote for every single candidate that I vote for. I can find what they do entertaining, informative, amusing, right on some things, wrong on some other things. I don't know. I just, I guess I don't have this kind of a litmus test. I'm able to listen to people like, you know, caller Judy earlier uh, where she's going through and she's talking about like, why she thinks the way she thinks about the certain candidates. And I'm not trying to persuade her to go vote for one candidate or the other. That's, that's up to her to decide how she wants to vote. Um, I don't know, like, you have to wait. Uh, you have to wait for 3 p.m. to hear a voice that will vote with you. Do you need me to validate your opinion? You don't need me to do that. You're your own person. You have your own agency. You have your own opinions, your own beliefs, right? You come to your conclusions. You want to vote for Donald Trump. That's totally fine. I've I've outlined before. Look, this is not a new argument for me. I've had this debate with people for 20 years. I'm not going to have it again right now. I'm just kind of answering this this question. But, um, you know, I left the Republican Party a long time ago. Long time ago. 20 20 years ago, right? So all the people that are like, oh, Rhino this, Rhino that, and like, yeah, well, join the club. Like, I, I, I left a decade, decade and a half, or two decades before, which is why I find it funny when I get accused of being a leftist or a liberal or something like, okay, yeah, come follow me on Twitter and watch, you know, watch those engagements. See, I, I don't need to be moored to a party. I don't need to be hooked up to a party. And, 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 all the downside that there is on that. And I recognize that there's, uh, there is a benefit when having debates with people. And I can say, I didn't vote for fill in the blank. I can say that now in the past, I have voted for the libertarian candidates for president. And those are also protest votes. I'm trying to send the message 
to the Republican Party that if you want my vote, you got to earn my vote and you're not doing that. And if you keep giving me the candidates you're giving me, I'm not going to support them. And enough other people disagree with me and they support him. And that's totally fine. See, but I like I vote on issues, not people, not candidates. The candidates matter, obviously, but they matter to me in so much as they can advance the issues I want to see advanced. They are vessels for me. That's how I view them. You don't have to view them that way either. It's totally fine. But I hope you still listen. You know, and I've said, like, I don't know, like Joe Biden is making a very, very good case through his administration that he is quite the existential threat. And I might need to vote for Trump this year. I might actually have to do that. I might have to vote for a guy that I think is awful and and represents so much of the stuff that I never wanted to see happen in a presidency. But Joe Biden is that bad. (laughs) I might have to do it this time. So. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? One of the questions, by the way, that came up last night uh, at the debate among the six candidates for North Carolina's Congressional District 8 in the Republican primary, they were asked, uh, do you support sending weapons to Ukraine? And um, Lee Brown, Don Brown, and Alan Balkum said no. This is weapons, not money. They all said no to money. But those who said yes to weapons to Ukraine was uh, Jason or John Bradford, um, Mark Harris, and Chris Maples. Yeah, so the, I'm looking at my notes here. So yeah, so they all said yes to weapons. So I thought you should know this. Um. Donald Trump now uh, elaborates on his Ukraine position. He says that he will get the European countries to match what the U.S. is sending to Ukraine, which is not a call for cutting off arms to Ukraine. It's a call for increasing arms to Ukraine. He also, once again, uh, at his uh, campaign event in Nevada, uh, talked about how he increased funding to NATO. I only point this out because so many people might need to uh, now recalibrate their positions on Ukraine funding and such. Whether it's the people who, you know, think that Donald Trump uh, was going to hang Ukraine out to dry or uh, those who think that he still will do that. He's just saying that he won't right now or whatever. This is what I mean. Do not like people. People view everything through this prism of Trump. And all, all I am trying to do on issues is to, is to get people to just look at the issue. You know, try to, 
tried to pull the the personalities out of the issue. Um. Anyway, so uh, well, along the same lines, we've got in North Carolina, Mark Robinson. Um. The hit pieces are coming. They started, you know, last year. Uh, they continue, and they're they're going to ramp up. Um. This is the latest by Jeffrey Billman, and uh, Jeffrey Billman is a, uh, let's see here, he reports on politics and the law for the Assembly. He is the former editor-in-chief of Indie Week in Durham, which is a leftist rag. Anyway, um, he's got this very, very lengthy piece at theassemblync.com, which uh, is comprised of uh, a bunch of former, you know, journalists, a bunch of former reporters, uh, uh, Jim Morrill from the Charlotte Observers over there. Uh, I want to say maybe Frank Drescher, maybe uh, from the NNO, I think. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of like these retired reporters uh, that are now, you know, they do like freelance work. And this is the publication that they've been uh, putting their freelance work into. And so this is a big, uh, big article called Mark Robinson, Teflon Man. It starts off as thus. Like 11.5 million other employers facing pandemic shutdowns, Yolanda Hill asked the federal government for help keeping her Greensboro nonprofit afloat. In April 2020 and February 2021, she obtained two PPPs, Paycheck Protection Program loans, totaling more than $28,000 each. The government eventually forgave her $57,000 debt. This was part of the PPP. Yolanda Hill told the Small Business Administration that, quote, current economic uncertainty makes this loan request necessary. She was running a thing called Balanced Nutrition Incorporated. Balanced Nutrition. It secures federal funds for daycare centers to provide healthy meals to low-income children. While North Carolina did not force daycares to close, about a third of the state's child care centers did, at least temporarily. But if it suffered during the pandemic, balanced nutrition rebounded very quickly. Its revenue grew from about $950,000 in 2019 to more than $1.3 million two years later in 2021. That according to federal tax filings. And records show that Hill increased her salary from $92,000 to $120,000, which is almost the exact amount of the first PPP loan that she got for $28K. Right. The federal government typically forgave these loans if employers maintained their payrolls and nothing precluded beneficiaries from giving raises. Right. If Hill were anybody else, balanced nutrition would merely be one of the quarter of a million North Carolina employers that benefited from the bailouts. But by the time Hill got her second PPP loan in February of 2021, her husband had become the state's lieutenant governor. Three years later, Mark Robinson is the Republican frontrunner for governor. Robinson, who worked at Balanced Nutrition in 2018, is a fiery populist who frequently leans into his working class roots while denouncing government charity, quote unquote. As the March 5th primary nears, some critics hope scrutiny of Robinson's family business will slow his seemingly inexorable march to the nomination. Little else has. Quote, how do you go around claiming to be Mr. Conservative or the king of conservatism when your family business is solely based on keeping the trains running on the welfare state? 
That's a quote from Brant Clifton, who is the editor of the North Carolina-based conservative website, The Daily Haymaker. Quote, most conservatives would be horrified to know that. This is why I say conservatism is not populism. These are different things. So you've got, you know, Trump populist. You've got uh, Mark Robinson populist. Now, they may hold certain conservative views, to be sure. Absolutely. But being a populist doesn't mean you're conservative and vice versa. So that's how you can run around claiming to be against government charity. But on the other hand, your family business is to plug people into government charities. That's literally what balanced nutrition does. And populism would dictate that that doesn't matter. See, and this is, and this is sort of my beef with the populism is that it doesn't matter. Those principles, like you, so you can run around and say, like, we need to break the ties, uh, you know, of government charity, government welfare, basically. That people become dependent on this stuff and that's not healthy, that's not good, right? That's a principle that you're espousing. But then meanwhile, you run a business that actually hooks people into those systems. You act as sort of the, the go between. Right? A conservative view would say, you should not do that. Because this is your principle. But a populist, they don't, have to, they don't have to abide by that principle. They could just say, we shouldn't be doing these things. And when people point out, oh, you're doing that thing that you say we shouldn't do, it's like, well, but I'm a man of the people. I'm just like you. I make mistakes, and that's okay. And that's sort of my problem with a lot of populism. Oh, my goodness. See, this is like, that's why I said I don't want to get into this because this is what everybody wants to just hammer away on. You don't need me to validate your vote, guys. You don't need me. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> I got, it, it, it's the least interesting thing about a person, and people have wrapped up their entire identities in this. All right, let's go to Jim. Jim, or no, sorry, Jan. Welcome to the program. Hello, Jan. Hello. Hello. What's up? Um, can you hear me? I sure can. Okay. Um, what I was calling about is um, basically what you just said. You don't need uh, – we don't need you to validate who we're going to vote for. Right. But when, but when you say that and you're on the radio on a conservative channel, mm-hmm. and most of the people that listen to you are conservatives, and – that is the message that you're sending. So the people that are listening to you, the message that you're sending is we're going to have another four years of Biden or whoever else they decide to put in there. It could be Trump. Because Trump could win. It could be. Yeah. But if, if, you, if you are on a platform where you're telling people that you do not, you didn't have to say that, and then no one would know. But now that you have said it, everyone does know. Mm-hmm. So everyone is listening to you say you're not voting for him. And so it, no matter what you say now, if you keep saying that you're not going to vote for him and people believe that, then people start wavering and maybe vote for someone else. 
So you think I can it, convince it, people to abstain from the from the vote because they they don't want to vote for either of the lesser evils? Is that the idea? That, that's exactly right. What happened before? Right. We, so we this goes, but this goes and, back to and, Jan. I would say the same thing that I just said, which is you have your own agency. If you want, look, if if people. Uh, if people want to abstain because they they so uh, dislike both of the choices, that's their choice to make. I'm not trying to compel or convince right. people to do anything. And, and that's that's exactly where we'll end up being in the same boat that we're in now because people will abstain from voting for either one, mm-hmm. and we know what's going to happen because they're already campaigning to their side. And it's a shame that we are so divided, but we are. Yeah, well, it's just a fact. Right, and but, since we are, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. Well, you, you don't know you that, Jan. Don't vote for anybody. You don't know I that. Don't know, no, nobody knows it. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. We just know from history. Right. So you just so you want me to swallow principles? No. You know, no, that no, is no, that is what you want. Anything, you want me to advocate? To you want me to advocate no. for people to vote for your candidate? Because you like no, that candidate. Oh, yeah, you I do. I didn't say that. And I don't say I like him. I, I, did, I, I voted for the less of two evils. I, you're, I understand that argument. I, it's not a compelling so, argument to me. But you want me to do that. Okay. You don't want me, or you want me to just no, not, I not don't talk want about you it? I do that. I, I what would you like me to do, Jan? You want. What do you want me well, to do? Tell me. I would like for you not to be on a conservative channel telling people that you're not voting for Trump and the many reasons why, because people listen to you as a conservative. So you want me to be fired? Is that the, is that you want me to quit? No, not at all. All right. Well then what does that mean when you say you don't want me to be on a conservative channel saying this? So if you don't want me to quit, what is it you want me to say? I said, I think that you saying that is, is just needs I don't know. I'm not telling you. <laughs> uh, it's just that um, when I'm just tell, I'm just making a fact. Just and not saying for you to do anything different. I'm just saying when you do that, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's hurting uh, the conservative side even more. Oh, I disagree. When, I disagree. Okay. See, because well, here's you, here's the fun. Yeah, oh, I know I am. But Jen, here's the here's the fundamental okay. disagreement. I don't believe Donald Trump's a conservative. I've never believed that. He he has lived his life as not a conservative. He has voted as not a conservative. And when he was in office, he didn't behave as a conservative. So... No, no. I mean, so, 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 if you would like to say that he is, uh, he's a Republican. Oh, I would agree with that. Absolutely, he's a registered Republican. No doubt about that. Um, He's a populist Republican. Absolutely, no doubt about that. But he's not a conservative. So, so when so so when you say that opinion, I I totally understand. That's what you believe. Yeah, yeah. But I I think it's it's more to the fact what I just said that um, it's just uh, I don't know that that's your opinion and you're allowed to say it, but when you're saying it out loud over a conservative channel. It's causing more division, and people turn so on. So I'm the cause for the we division. We don't have anywhere else to go. Basically, we we've got two places to go. We're in the middle of a primary. Yeah. We are in the middle of a primary. People have this opportunity. They're not listening right. to me. Obviously, look. If I had this kind of power, Donald Trump never would have been the nominee in the first place. I think you give me too much credit. Well, 
No, I don't. I don't. I'm not giving you any credit. I Thank was just you. Saying, no, I deserve most, none. Most people probably would not have voted for Donald Trump because they thought Donald Trump was the best choice. But that's what we had to deal with, and that's what we have to deal with now. And I don't know as much as you do about his whether he's that conservative or not. I just know what I know about him from what I read and what I see on TV and what I hear on the radio. But um, I just whether he's a Republican or not, he's who we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. You got one or two. Which one? Yeah, but you're already... See, see, Jan, this is what I mean. You're robbing all of the Republican voters of agency here. Republicans had not one, not two, but now three different election cycles to say, we want somebody other than Trump. And they have never said otherwise. So that's their choice. Well, it's too late to do that at this point. We're literally in the middle of a primary. We've had two two mm, contests. Well... I, I agree we're in the middle of a primary, but pretty much when we're at this point, everybody knows what's going to happen. Right. I, mean, so I don't know so that. Sit back and take for it. Fact, right. Well, look, 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 that's what I said. Like, if the party, look, again, I dropped out of the Republican Party 20 plus years ago. Okay. So you don't have to take anything that I say for any grain of salt whatsoever at all. Right. I approach these issues from a more, from a liberty minded, conservative, limited government frame. Right. That's how I approach candidates, how I approach issues. And so if I see candidates that align with me on these issues, then I'm going to uh, to say those are good candidates on these issues. But if they're not, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie about it. I, I'm not going to say this guy's awesome and he's a great conservative for the for the cause. I, I can't say that. But I also understand that everybody gets to make their own choice. And if you want to vote on the lesser of evils, you're perfectly free to do that. I'm not I don't disparage people for their for who they're voting for. Right. I'm not arguing for people to do what I'm doing or the reverse. I just I find it. I don't know. I just find it tedious where it's like, oh, you have to get on board with my candidate. And again, this is my contrarian nature. No, I don't. I don't actually. (laughs) 